What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a best-selling book and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I am Mark DeVoe. And I am Mark Stay. And this episode is sponsored by our patrons and academates and our new patrons this week. Ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding for Sam Mikusa, for Jack F. Erickson and for Trey Montague. Uh, Wonderful people, every single one of them. Welcome to the the bosom of the BXP team. And this is something we're going to be talking about today, isn't it, Mr. D? Later, a little teaser for our our coming our coming subject and topic today is you are not alone. Absolutely, we're going to be diving deep into what it's really like to be a writer and all the things we never talk about: the isolation, the loneliness, the voices in our head. And we're going to talk yeah. about the importance of <laughs> yeah, a lot of those floating around and the importance of community as well. So something that we've never, it's weird, actually, in four years, we've kind of skirted around that, those things. We've talked about mental health and we've also talked about um, the value of great community, but we've never really kind of gone deep. So this is, I'm really looking forward to this episode. But before we dive in, um, I would like to remind everyone, if you are thinking of joining the Bestseller Academy, the doors are now open for registration, but... They are closing in a couple of weeks. We are starting on the 1st of January. And if you want to join these incredible writers who joined us in September, please jump in and get on board and come to academy.bestsellerexperiment.com. So, Mr. Stay, you have had, again, another busy week, but that's just a kind of run of the mill for you now, isn't it? It's become the new normal, which I, I go, I'm, I'm, you will never hear me complain. You will never hear me Completely. complain, you know, because yes. this is this is what you dream of is um, I don't do. And the thing is, I don't do anything else. I'm very, very lucky. My kids are grown up. Uh, I just sit here and write and do stuff. It's brilliant. <laughs> this is this is living the dream. This is it. But yeah, today. Oh, fantastic news. So um, my publisher, Simon Schuster, got a book coming in February called The Crow Folk, which has the most the most gorgeous cover art by an amazing chap called harry gold goldhawk who uh you know if you ch uh, check out his website some beautiful designs on there and harry has done the most amazing uh cover art for the crow folk and uh one of the sales team a chap called richard horton at simon schuster had a brilliant idea he went to cole's booksellers now cole's is an independent bookseller in uh, oxfordshire and they specialize in you know sign books and 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 fun pre-order ideas and he suggested how about if uh me and harry sign little a5 prints of the cover art just 200 of them and if you pre-order the book from cole's you get a free print signed by both that's of us that's a brilliant idea i oh, mean it, it helped 
it helps to have amazing cover art. And you know, the thing is as well, when you when you you know, if you go into, I don't know, IKEA or whatever, and you don't think anything of spending 30 quid in a print of this or a print of that, you know. So the way I see it, you're getting a gorgeous print signed by the artist, slightly defaced by me, and you get a, a book a book thrown in as well. So um, I'm hoping by this, the time this episode goes goes live, there'll be a pre-order link. And the lovely thing is, Cole's booksellers ship all over the world. So uh, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, from overseas, uh, outside of the UK, uh, this will be a chance to get something nice and special and, and signed. So um, so that's that That was my afternoon, signing things oh, and wow. listening to Chris, Christmas music, which was fun. Two things I have to say is, firstly, <laughs> for those of you in America that have seen the commercial about shipping, Mark did say the word ship. There's a viral ad going around right now. It's very funny. Um, but, also, but also, I think it's a brilliant idea because... You know, one of the, I actually have on my wall, and for anyone who's joining us, this may be on YouTube. We're experimenting. That's kind of what we do mm, here. Yeah. We're actually recording this for YouTube, and we're putting the podcast with Mark and I's ugly mugs on on the uh, on video. I've had hair and makeup, and I still uh, look like did this. Did you? I didn't. You see, I, we just <laughs> did this. I didn't get my makeup artist in. I didn't know we were going to do this. So mm, I'm looking at right. Mm. At least I had a little bit of a shave a few days ago. But anyway, um, at the back, you can see I've got I've got my artwork of my albums here. And I won't turn around my camera and show you over here, but I've got this huge canvas of the front cover of, of one of the albums I did. And we, we converted it into artwork. And I think that two things. Firstly, if you're an author and you've written a book and you've, you've spent blood and sweat and tears and years writing that book, do yourself um, a favor and get yourself a copy of the cover of your book done up on a beautiful canvas and have it displayed somewhere in your writing space so that you can remind yourself of what you've achieved, what you've done. But secondly, what you're talking about, Mark, is using the artwork as part of a promotional way of actually, I mean, it's such an important part of the book. And what so many art, so many writers are focused on just selling the book, selling their words, but think about it, it's a whole package. So use the artwork um, do what Mark's doing, you know, get these limited edition prints, sign copies of the artworks. Brilliant. I love it. Well, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. And you said that Coles, are, are they special? They, they kind of like, like a bit of signed work. Is this well, kind of a specialty that these guys do? Uh, looking at the website, they offer a lot of signed stuff for, right. uh, for pre-order and, and what have you. And I, to be honest, I think, you know, a lot of good indies do this. This is why indies, the ones that have survived are thriving because they are doing the stuff that Amazon just doesn't do. Yeah. You know, they're, they're you doing that out, right? Exactly. They're offering that little bit extra. And um, yeah, very, very happy to support them in this. Such a great idea. That's no, great. I love innovation and I think it's really good. If you've actually, here's a good question for our, for our listeners. If you have done something different or unique with your cover art or even illustrations in the book, or maybe you've got a map, tell us what you've done with it because we would love to learn a bit more about the ways in which people are using not just their words but everything connected with the book i mean for example when we when we launched jenny's very last monster book the way we launched it before it was even available to buy is we had a massive art exhibition mm. and you could come mm. in and look at the original prints of the art with jenny's words beside it and we had we had over over two weekends nearly a thousand people visit that exhibition now that was a fairly decent pre-order um, you know, weekend as well, because people are in there, they see it, they see a mock-up of the book. So there's so many different ways and innovations. And again, it was all because of the artwork. It would have been a bit boring if it had just been, you know, 
pictures of the words on, on a piece of paper. That wouldn't have really been very interesting. So the illustration, any illustration brings brings art into the into the the opportunities for the book. So fantastic. Well, good, good luck with that. Let us know how it goes. I'm sure you'll kind of report mm. back. And yeah, yeah, yeah. How's, we'll your, how's your wrist feeling? All these signing, right? It's like well, it's only two hundred. Only two hundred. Listen to you. I, thought, I used to do a thousand a day. <laughs> A Comic Con, but how many did you no, do? You must have done a lot of Comic Con when you used to kind of not not that many, no. not, not as many as I, I might have led you to believe. <laughs> um, but I have I have been there when because uh, we when our Ian Rankin interview a couple of years ago, the one just before Christmas, that was while he was signing. I think it was a thousand copies, oh. and that is when you do have to get the frozen peas out and rest your wrist on it. <laughs> That one, sort of thing. one benefit yeah. though of not handwriting books is that at least your wrist is still mind you with all the typing i mean rsi and stuff i mean probably the last thing most authors want to do is sign a thousand books yeah i mean i i mix it up actually i've just started a new notebook for the third uh, which is a woodville book so uh, and i'm sort of writing scenes by hand uh, and i'm really enjoying it actually it's, especially now i'm getting up and it's still dark in the morning and i work it's, it's weird it's some um, i work by one dim bulb basically i don't so turn like the charles computer dickens on. yeah 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 <laughs> so and it's one of those bulbs that takes forever to warm up oh, you know, yeah, energy yeah, yeah. saving bulb <laughs> and, it's, it's, and so you know i'm sitting here all wrapped up and, and jotting away by hand and it's it's quite a nice cozy feeling actually rather than whacking on the macbook and then blam you know bright yeah. white light and everything so i, well, I kind of warm up to that there was a discussion talking to community there was a discussion in the academy this week about the this question somebody asked the question and they said does anyone else here actually write by hand like I do? And it opened up this whole discussion about about actually the value of writing by hand. And one of the one of the points. So here's a big tip: if you've never, if you've always thought, um, I you know, computer, it's more effective, it's more efficient. Listen to this as an idea for writing by hand. When you write by hand, you don't make typos. I mean, I, I write quickly, and as you know, Mark, reading my emails, I, I can spell, oh, but yeah. I'm very bad at proofreading. <laughs> and, and, you know, you'd think I'm dyslex dyslexic. I can't even say the word. <laughs> what does that make me? I can't even say the word dyslexic. But, but um, when, when I write, I never, I very rarely misspell. It's from, from a, you know, the kind of speed of typing error that we get when we type. So this idea of are we more proficient when we use a computer, I think is up for grabs because the other thing is when you write something by hand, it really is your first draft. And then you're going to type it into the computer yep. as a second draft. And then you find all your typos and you might even have a stronger second draft writing the first draft and typing the second. And I'm putting that out to debate to the world. That's, that's basically what I did with the second Woodville book is I, w I just went into it in, in a notebook, this, this notebook down here, where is it? Here we go. My, um, my oh, Stanley Kubrick The Stanley notebook. Kubrick shining. shining. There was a discussion yeah, about exactly. that as well, about the cover yeah. of that, yeah, the carpet. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I would, you know, I would write, and I'm doing the same thing. Here's the, uh, this is uh, a White Cliffs of in. Dover notebook that I got from the gift shop there uh, because some of the book will take, third book will take place on the white cliffs of dover oh, so went there very well. nice do like some it. research Great. and um yeah i i've i'm sort of you know writing scenes from the book in a kind of weird little shorthand it's not finished but it's also not an outline it's actually you know scenes from the book i'm, I'm giving myself license to jump forward and write bits that i know are going to be in it and then you know come the 
next pass, I'll start joining those dots together. So uh, it's been been really, really good fun. And, and you're right, the, it's very freeing. You know, just, well, it's um, also just been able to read through it and highlight things and draw arrows and it's all that freehand yeah, side of things. Right? Yeah, I, think yeah, it's, yeah. I yeah. think there's a lot of people that don't mention that they still do it because they think they'll be mocked by the, the new technologists. Um, but I, I actually think that a bit like vinyl, I think, you know, handwriting could, could be making a big comeback. I do fear, though, for our kids' generation that aren't really writing at all. I mean, I mean, a lot of the kids at school now are straight on iPads and computers, and they're not even learning. They're learning the art of cursive. I've noticed with my kids, you know, I was thinking, what, did you not have, like, writing tests anymore and things? It's like... Uh, it's really changed a lot, and I'm. This, this I, is where it turns into two old men complaining on the it internet. Does, but I, right? I, no, but I, I'm the same. My son's handwriting, honestly, we joke about it, oh. and they do. They they teach them cursive handwriting, which is illegible. Yeah, frankly, just yeah. you know. Uh, uh, but anyway, do you know I'll, what I'll season season whatever we're on of the podcast, we could we could rename it the Grumpy Old Men Experiment. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. We're getting to that age, really, aren't we? I remember that show on BBC Two about Grumpy Old Men, and I Grumpy never thought men, I'd, yeah. I would. I would possibly be an audition uh, <laughs> candidate for that. But anyway, all right, let's move on from the education system we love. And yes. teachers out there, teachers who are, are out there making this happen and getting kids into writing and reading, we absolutely love you because at, you know what? It, it's such a hugely important part. In fact, you know, even just talking about reading, I read this week that Elon Musk, who we mentioned in our last episode, um, He's still not confirmed whether he's coming on yet or not, Mark, so I'll keep working on that. But uh, I don't know how we'd get him on in the book world. But apparently he says reading was probably one of the most essential things in his development. He read voraciously as a child, and apparently it's in all his autobiographies. And it just shows you that, you know, how you can expand your mind through just diving into anything, whether it's a story or nonfiction or learning about our world. And it educates our brains, you know, to to create people who can think on the level that Elon Musk does and the kind of things he's doing. So yeah. I gave a talk to um, Society of Authors group yesterday and uh, there was some concern that old oh, children aren't reading as much as they used to, blah, blah, blah. And I said, more children's books are being sold now than at any other time. You know, re children's reading is in very, very good health. Uh, and even there are concerns that boys aren't reading enough, they're playing games and what have you. But I mean, my son, I mean, he's 18, he's not a child anymore, but he's, he's, he's whizzed his way through Red Dead Redemption 2, okay, which he's learned and a lot of that is read a lot of that is text you know well, that's you, you, the thing there's a lot of reading in games and they're, they're this, reading on discourse and and discord yeah, and they're reading yeah, yeah, on yeah. text messages although that's not really proper english and he, he was he was telling me he was telling me all the stuff that he's learned about american history and cholera and american presidents and he wow. can play poker now as well <laughs> 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 it is. I must admit, though, it is as, as a as a father of three three kids, um, you know, two two teenagers and one preteen. I it does concern me. Um, my eldest was never really into computers much. She has read voraciously. Like she would read. She read the all all Harry Potter seven books over one Christmas break in two weeks, rereading them. Um, but my other two aren't hugely engaged, but they're very engaged in computers. So just as a, a sample of three, I've noticed in my family that the kids who, the two kids into computer games 
don't read books as much and and my one child not in to computer games reads a lot and i just wonder if that's an experience other parents are seeing out there again very basic experiment but a survey of one here makes me wonder that but then i do ask how much are they reading whilst they're on the computer and how valuable is that compared to sitting and reading a story from start to finish and getting into characters and depth and it's it's and, and then the other argument is netflix like netflix is great well, but yeah. It's so we can spend so many hours watching it. How many people have switched from watching, from reading books every evening to watching the latest yeah. binge the, the, series? The opportunity for distraction is there. More that's than the ever, challenge, ever, yeah. and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. And it's, so, that's not just kids; that's all of us. That's you know? all. Oh, oh, yeah. Facebook, and absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. I find now if I, if I I can read nonfiction in little nibbles very very easily but fiction i need to set aside time for it and i will be you know things like right this weekend i'm reading a book right I'll, so I, it's an I'm event a, in your life now almost it is interesting. It is. interesting that that might be a middle-aged thing though i mean you know i you you see uh posts on social media where people joke about the same kind of experience yeah me at 17 reading a book every other day me at 40 uh, i need to set aside a week to read this book you know it's <laughs> which is uh, pretty good still it might, might be the Take way my brain functions the the other thing i've started doing though because i've i've been waking at 4 30 in the morning just you know my brain with everything yeah, that's going on the I have that as and well. i've got i've got um uh, David Copperfield on my phone on Apple Books, right? Right. So, and it has that dark screen thing. So, rather than doom scrolling on Twitter, I'm reading David because I saw the film, a brilliant, brilliant Armando Iannucci adaptation of David Copperfield. It's just mm. fantastic, and uh, great cast: Hugh Laurie, also Dev Patel, all sorts of brilliant people in it. Um, uh, I've just been reading the book in tiny little chunks every morning, rather than doom scrolling on Twitter. That's and, good. Um, it's great. It's a wonderful way. It's it almost feels like I, I've dreamed it because I'll often fall back asleep. I'll fall read it, you know, yeah, you a few paragraphs, and then turn it off and go back to sleep. I wake up and I've dreamed David Copperfield. It's the strangest experience. Gosh. It's really sinking in. But you know, something you said as well, Mark, about waking up ridiculously early in the morning. I have yeah. never ever had that problem until the last three to six months. I, I wake up at five and, could, and I'm. Could bing. it be something to do? with you know a well, pandemic and a, and a terrifying I, election I, honestly and... <laughs> i thought no i just thought that something had shifted in my in my circadian rhythm right i thought i was literally mm. oh i've got to this age and i'm st i'm just i'm just you know like getting up or waking up earlier but again if this it okay sample of two here but if you out in out in podcast land <laughs> if this has happened to you in the last three to six months let us know because we're not alone, which is obviously the theme of today's episode. But I want well, to know if, if it's just me and Mark being complete weird, strange people, or is this happening to everyone? Is everyone not being able to well, let's, sleep let's, past let's, five o'clock? Let's talk about that because I think the thing is, a lot of people. I'm very lucky; I've got a full house here. Um, but a lot of people will have spent a great chunk of this year alone, you know. And it's yes. something that we writers like. We like a bit of solitude. We like to shut the door when we're writing. But when we come out, I certainly like to, you know, have some human contact because it is it's the thing that feeds our imagination, you know, yes. that, that human contact, meeting people, having fun, hearing other people's stories, getting to know people, making notes of their little foibles so you can steal them for a book, <laughs> all of that stuff, yeah. you know. And of course, yeah. the opportunities for that have been far less this year. 
So yeah, the loneliness we feel as writers is is very real, much well, more so this year. Here's the challenge for everyone to consider, and we've not, as I said, we've never really talked about this. But as a writer, by the very nature of what we do, we have to be in isolation when we do it. I mean, unless you're plotting a book like Mark and I. I mean, that's one of the things that was benefit of us working together is we had that social aspect. We would plot together. But, you know, the actor, even when we wrote the book, we couldn't write it together. We did our individual parts and we kind of mashed them and meld them together. So for every single writer, it's a given that if you're writing, you're in solitude. You have to be. I mean, you might have people around you like you did on the train mark when you'd commute to London. But you'd still be within your own, you've got to be in solitude as you're writing because it's the only way you get your stream of consciousness going and how you start writing. So the challenge now is, is because of the pandemic, because of lockdown, and because we've all been enforced into this, a lot of people working from home now as well. Now, Mark and I, I mean, we, we, we've, we didn't have to make that adjustment. We were already working from home. I've been working from home for 20 years. But you know, I used to joke with Jen about, she would say, you know, why, why don't you pop down to the, the grocery store and pick up some groceries just so you can see some people? Because there were days when I was working on a really big project, long hours, writing music, writing, working on launching something. I could literally go three or four days because I'm, 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 I'm in, I'm in the house and we had groceries. So I didn't need, I didn't need to leave the house. And there comes a point where you think this is not healthy. This is not good. Like the, the fact you go to the grocery store and you go, oh, it's so nice to see some human beings. And I want to know how many people have been experiencing that feeling because of the pandemic. And because we're already writers and we do this isolation anyway, by choice, how much is that affecting people out there? I've, um, I've caught myself. I've gone whole days where I haven't stepped outside. Yes. That's not good. I've got, cause I usually have to go out cause Claire's working. So at three o'clock I have to give the chickens their afternoon corn and I'll step outside and say, like, oh, this is the first time I've been outside today. <laughs> you know? I know, and right? I did, I know we talk about, you know, we like to write with the door closed. I know there are lots of writers out there who actually like to go to a cafe or like to go to a pub and like the buzz of activity and can write with, you know, all of humanity buzzing around there. Around. And I know a lot of, and I would get to a point, you know, maybe once or twice a week, I would, uh, particularly over the summer, I'd be like, I'll stuff this. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go to, uh, there's some lovely cafes around here where I can just sit down and make notes and, you know, I might have my headphones on or whatever, you know, uh, but there will be other people and I could have a cup of tea and a toasted tea cake or something. And it would be nice to shake it up. And of course that, I mean, we're in, tier three here in kent which means all the restaurants are closed and cafes are closed and yep. uh can he go out you know i know and, and it's we're and talking now i mean let's just document this for the time capsule of this podcast for if you're listening yes. in 50 years from now because obviously we're in the middle of it right now and it's quite an important point in history but we are i think seven months into maybe longer seven eight nine months into lockdown now our library which is where i used to go mark i used to go to our library i love I love writing in the library because I'm surrounded yeah. by all this great literature and it's quiet, but it's also kind of, there's a little buzz there. And I would take my laptop down to the library, but our library has been shut for seven months. You can still go and pick a book up at like a, they've got a little door where some bloke sits and you can pick your books <laughs> up, which is great because at least you can still get, because I always get books out of the library, but I miss that so much. And so here I am as a dad of three kids, I've got the, bonkers this town i mean oh, that's not even a word but crazy household when i come out of my studio and go into the house there's super mario playing at high volume there's someone going google 
turn up 50%. And I'm like, oh, completely, <laughs> right? There's all, everyone's talking to devices and and I've got 4,000 requests coming in because dad suddenly appeared out of nowhere. And it's like, dad, there's nothing to eat. Um, mm. Who's making dinner tonight? And this, you know, you need to sign this form for Scott. And it's like, oh, and so I live within a bustling community of wonder. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. And in fact, in fact, my daughter is leaving in January to go to campus. And I'm having my first of my three fly the nest. And it actually, it's really like, <gasps> it's one of those moments where I'm thinking, oh my God. But here's the thing. I think about all those people who write that maybe don't have family, that maybe had their kids have already left home, that never had kids, um, that have lost a partner, that have been divorced from someone and, and they're by themselves. I can't even imagine what that must be like, honestly, like be not, not being able to go out right now and maybe write in that favorite cafe. And so this idea of isolation, um, it's not just, a, it's not just a, a challenge for writers. I think it's, it can go beyond that as a mental health challenge. But saying that, I do think that writing, as we talked about on our mental health um, episodes, uh, if you haven't listened to those, by the way, please go back and find them on the website. They're, they're absolutely gold dust. Um, we'll put links in the show notes. Yeah. But I think the thing is, is that writing can also, whilst we're doing it, can be a huge benefit to our well-being so it's this very weird kind of juxtaposition of something that's helping us because we're working out we're working out things on the page but at the same time because we're doing it we're also having increased isolation but right now because it's enforced how are people coping how is their writing being affected by it is it is it better than ever or is it they just struggling to get anything decent on the page so we want to hear from you we want to get your feedback on this because um for me, it brings into the question mark of the importance of community. How important is community right now when we can't have what we're used to having? And what's available out there? And what, what can we do proactively to, to build a, a healthy community around us? Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on Mark? Because, you know, we've built the community up of the BXP team. And we've now got this incredible community in the Bestseller Academy of, of writers all living their dreams out. But what's your take on it? I mean, you've, you've had varying aspects of coming from a community of a, a publishing company, which is very busy, to, this, to then the isolation of being at home. Um, what do you get from community? Well, it's interesting because the podcast, if you go back to first episode, um, you'll, you'll probably twig that I wasn't much of a joiner. You know, the idea of writing groups made me, you know, right. the idea of yeah. sitting in a circle like some, you know, support group, uh, sitting there listening to Eric talking about his memoir about his gangrenous foot or something. It just, you know, the idea of that just sent, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't, I don't want anything. Oh, God. And I've Eric, got if, you're, if, if you're out there, Eric, I hope you think it's better, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> You know, so the idea of joining a group, I'm a writer, I can do this, I can do this on my own and blah, blah, sold off the lot of you, you know. Well, I've come around a bit uh, because, you know, we, we've created this, you know, just after a few episodes of the podcast, we had regulars. We already had regulars where people making comments and leaving reviews and, uh, you know, and, and getting in touch. And it was, it gave me the warm fuzzies. 
you know, yeah. something I hadn't hadn't really experienced before. And um, you know, and then we started this Patreon group on the on Facebook, uh, and that you know is like no other group and we'll talk about that more near the end and then with the academy as well the 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 coaching sessions uh but also the other thing i've done is is i've um i've certainly since moving out here as well to kent because moving to a new place is always an opportunity to make new friends and find and it just so happens kent seems to have a literary festival every other week out here you know and so there was this whole network of writers so i made made an effort to go out and meet people and make new friends and get in touch with them and offer and start offering advice. Cause it's one of the things you often hear from writers is, you know, how do I get other people to read my stuff? Well, you have to put yourself out there. You have to say, you know what, I'll read your book if you'll read mine and we'll give each other constructive feedback. And that works. And that over the last four years has, has built up and I've now got, you know, a trusted circle of people whose stuff I really enjoy reading. You know, so Eric's memoir about his gangrenous foot actually turns out to be a, a, a scintillating read. <laughs> uh, so, um, and so, you know, I've come full circle on that. So and especially since I was, you know, I left Orion and was made redundant and it was and this coming up to two years now, two years of, of free and that first year, boy, oh boy, was that rough. I, you know, scrabbling around for work or what have you. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I now have communities where i can just check in and see how people are and but you do have to put yourself out there that's the key to it you have to volunteer yourself and say do you need something read you know can i look at that for you can, yeah. do you need do you need some advice you know or can, has anyone out here got any advice and you know you generally find that people are very willing to give advice and i've i've loved it it's been one of the greatest things and lockdown has made that more difficult but weirdly I've been working on two projects with other writers, screenwriting projects where we've had regular, you know, Zoom catch-ups or Skype catch-ups or FaceTime catch-ups or whatever. And that's great because they're, um, you know, you're touching base and you, you're, you're sharing, both sharing the same kind of story problems or what have you. Clearly, uh, that's what I most enjoyed actually about when we were writing the book together, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like our kind of creative sessions where we, we'd get together and just have an absolute laugh and a half yeah. coming up with crazy yeah, ideas yeah. for the plot. I must say as well, doing, um, you know, one of the, I mean, we've joked about how, how much work podcasts are, but one of the things I most appreciate and love about us doing this podcast is it's, a, it's just fun to kind of check in. Yeah and yeah, yeah. and like catch up with each other and, and and we get the opportunity to do that with an audience which i which is great because so everyone listening to this right now you're part of this community i must admit when we first started the podcast we didn't have in our mind this idea of we're going to build this community it kind of just happened didn't it and it, it was well we didn't think anyone would actually listen listen exactly right <laughs> but then people started to to kind of drop us emails and say oh i'm really enjoying this and and it's yeah. really helpful and and so really it's kind of been an evolution of this community growing around the podcast the community growing around the people supporting this podcast our patrons which if you want to become one of those by the way bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support. We really appreciate every one of you. And now this next tier, which is like building a community within the academy, which is very much taking things to a level whereby it's not this idea of being as part, because here's the other thing. There are communities online on, on say Facebook where there are 50,000 members. I mean, you may know the kind of groups yeah. I'm talking about. And those groups are great. They serve a certain purpose. They might have a certain thing, which is about how many books have you sold? That might be the theme. And it's about like, you know, trying to get your book sales up, which is great. But sometimes you get a bit lost within 
the huge you know there's the huge swell of people there and you're kind of one tiny voice in a in a mass it's like being in Wembley Stadium trying to like you get two minutes on stage and then you get booted off and someone else gets a couple of minutes on stage but within the academy what we're doing is building a very uh, a kind of a, a compact small group of like-minded individuals now this is the key about community from what I've seen in terms of running these communities for you each individual it's about not just finding a community, it's about finding the right community for you. Because there's, there's a million and one different writing communities out there, but it's about you finding the right. So if your ex, if first ever experience is going to a writing group where there were just a lot of maybe big egos and, and it was just like a really unpleasant experience, you might leave that thinking, well, writing groups aren't for me. It might just be in the wrong mix of people. Um, one thing that we've noticed in the community, for example, in the academy, is that this word like-minded people keeps coming up all the time. It's about this gathering of like-minded minds of people who are willing to dream big about becoming a bestseller. Um, Mark Hood, uh, one of our regular listeners and also someone in the academy, he said, um, he said, if you're serious about writing and willing to work hard, it'll reward you immensely mainly as well because the academy is a vibrant and supportive community of people dedicated to improving their writing so it's this idea is it's about finding support within the community as well i mean have you ever been part of a community mark where it wasn't the right fit for you can you ever think back to a a group that you felt i mean not naming names we don't want to out groups <laughs> but well yeah there's one in particular in which i i politely it's like a party where you think i don't really get why everyone's here so i'm just going to sneak out the back door i'm not gonna i'm not gonna flounce out but i'm gonna yeah. uh, and it was one of those bigger groups where it's all about marketing and advertising and what have you and it wasn't just wasn't for me but the, the thing is if, if you're looking online and you can't see a group or it just in your local community, if there isn't a writer's group, we've always said, start one. Go to your local indie bookshop yeah. and say, you know, what, I, I'm, do, you, do you know any other local writers? And they will, trust me. Uh, you know, or put, a, put something online in your you know, local Facebook communities and start a local writer's group. Then you set the tone. You set the stall out. You know, you're the, if, if there's, we've always said, if there's ever that gap then fill it yourself and then you can you know you're you're leading the pack there so uh yeah and actually it's a, it's a really good point because one thing one thing that we've seen in the academy just in the last month is we've got the main community of all the writers but now there is a group of children's authors and they've said we're setting up our own meet so they get together on zoom these authors uh, who write just children fiction and they 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 read a bit of each other's books and then they share um they share tips and they share challenges and struggles so it's also about you know there are larger communities but it's also about finding communities of your writers and that's something we're going to develop in the academy as i'd love to maybe even about a year from now have almost like genre groups of every genre like there's a romance group a thriller group we've got the children's group already running so it's about having a community of people that isn't just showing up and talking about writing it's maybe specific to the genre or the interest that you have as a writer um and 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 then then you're getting people that not just understand what you're doing but also can empathize with you because they're going through the same struggles because well that 
That's the important thing, isn't it? Again, coming back to the topic of the show, you are not alone. And it's in, in these trying times, there will be days where you might despair and you might think, am I the only one going through this? And having someone else out there, even if it's just one, two, a handful of people who can say, yep, I hear you, I've been through this, there is light at the end of the tunnel. That makes all the difference. It really does. Yeah. So it's just for everyone to think this time, like it's, we're coming to the end of the, of the, of the calendar year. And if you're going into 2021 and you don't have a community, a writing community, or you're part of a community that isn't working for you and you know, it's not working for you because you're just not really engaging with it or you've snuck, snuck out the back door. That was a great analogy actually for the idea of a party. And that's, you know, there yeah. is a feel, right? Um, it's, well, it, it, it was a party where, Everyone was complaining. <laughs> this isn't a party at all. <laughs> and actually somebody said, didn't they, on the BXP team just yesterday, didn't they? They said, they just put a post saying, just saying, thank you. What was it? Something about thank you for everyone in this group. It's, it's so lovely to have such a non-toxic group. I think were the words or something, something like that. This idea that it was actually a supportive group of everyone encouraging and there wasn't any... Um, arguing, disagreeing. And even when people disagree, they're doing it in a really kind of constructive was, and polite, yeah. respectful way. It was it was Julian Barr who said, just a small note to say, I appreciate how non-toxic this group is. That's all. Carry on and thank you. <laughs> and I, I think I think Julian had perhaps been spending some time in a, another group and come away feeling a bit battered. Right. <laughs> yeah. So so if you're not part of a community, this is my challenge to you as your, as your writing coach in the moment. I've just appointed myself as a writing coach coming up to the end of the year, have a think about what you're going to do to make community a part of your life in 2021. If only to try it out. And if you have tried it out and you've given up, if only to try it out again and, and convince yourself as we're telling you now, it is the case that if you find the right community, it's like a, it's like extended family. And I honestly think, and we, we did a big webinar recently, actually last week, where we talked about the five, five foundations of success that you need to, to, to write. And one of those foundations was community. It was a big part of it. And if you don't have that, I really do think that it's, it's a huge chunk of what will hold us back as writers. It really is. I think you can't do this alone. I've learned that in every single walk of life whether it's music like i always joke about you know it's ed sheeran's name on the on the album cover but when you open it open up the and read the notes there's like a thank you to like a hundred people and the other thing about communities you might actually start to discover people that can help you in your writing journey it might not just be a group of people that you get together if you know once a week and, and have a have a, a social with you might find individuals who become key you know a beta reader who gives you such important feedback that it changes the direction of your story or shows you a massive flaw that you've you've not seen yourself um a mentor you might find within your community um a writing buddy i mean this is the other thing that we're we're starting to promote now in the academy is we're getting people to write together like not write together as in co-writing but get together to write you know once a week so they have somebody else another human being at the end of like a zoom call or something that they yeah. they say right let's start the clock we'll do a we'll do an hour this is my goal what's your goal go and it's just having that human contact as best you can over online um it's my challenge and and if you know of great communities and then then share them with us as well for sure 
Absolutely. Do you want some good news stories? I do want some good news stories, yes. Okay, so we, we put a thing online in our group saying any good news stories. So uh, from the top, uh, Elizabeth Hurley, who writes under the name Eva St. John, uh, she says, um, I launched book two, uh, and it's book two of her Quantum Curators series. So it's the Quantum Curators and the Enemy Within. And these are really, really good fun. These are really good fun time travel adventure, very smart real page turning stuff so uh well done on that elizabeth uh julian says the mandalorian season two enough said oh and writing is going pretty well um, are, are you watching the mandalorian do you have disney plus i don't i don't have disney plus no it is the best star wars I've since heard... i was 10 years old really i've heard people are getting it just because of that series but there's not much else on there yeah yeah, yeah. To, to be honest yeah that no, i think that is totally fair is that fair? I, I mean i just want to say that we are not we are not we're not advertising disney disney home but yeah but if it's worth if it's for star wars fans probably worth every penny yeah good oh, yeah, storytelling yeah, yeah. is it good storytelling um, it's joyous storytelling it is wonderful because it's quite short as well the episodes some some of them are less than you know, coming under 40 minutes and uh it's great loving it really pacey stuff anyway back to our good news stories uh fadzi kasambira says fadzi one nano and is two-thirds of the way through uh his next book he's also been on submission for a week now fadzi recently signed up with an amazing agent and his first book is out on submission and he says i'm dying from the weight but Fancy, it will happen. Congratulations, Fancy. And all, on that note, we should congratulate everyone out there in writing land that completed NaNoWriMo. You guys are bonkers and phenomenal all yep. at the same time, right? <laughs> if you did it and you got your 50,000. And I would say for everyone that didn't, um, and for any, everyone who wanted to do it but didn't have time to do it, and for everyone who's maybe just wanting to start off, then don't forget this. We forgot to mention this earlier, but the, the 200 word a day challenge is we're going to go be pushing even bigger next year. If you don't know what that is, it's basically our challenge to get you to write 200 words a day and be accountable for them by actually coming to our website and posting your word count every single day. Um, the 200 word a day challenge, you can register for it now by going to bxp2020.com. So go and register it and try it for five days before the new year to see how it works. You will write over nearly one and a half thousand words in a week and you'll be hooked. And then you can start January the 1st out the gate and do what, uh, actually Mark Hood, the chap that we just mentioned, he, he wrote, he's written every single day consecutively now for over 300 days and has written nearly 190,000 yeah. words all because of the 200 word day challenge. So go and register for that now. Brilliant. I've been, I've been, I've been using it this week in a, in a way that, uh, I've had a mad week where I've had to be taxi dad first thing in the morning and I haven't had as much writing time as I normally have in the morning. So, and I had 20 minutes this morning and I thought, actually I can do this because I've been telling everyone on, <laughs> on the bloody podcast, they could do this. So actually I sat down notepad and just jotted down and I, I, I've been getting sort of 400 plus 500 plus words done in about 20 minutes or so. And it's been fantastic. So it, it really does work. That's really, brilliant. really, really does work. Uh, back to the, Back to the good news stories. Hayley Coulter, um, she launched her book, Rope Walk, a couple of weeks ago. She said, a reviewer of Rope Walk said, it's like Catherine Cookson, but better. So wow. as a huge fan of, yeah, so as a huge fan of Cookson growing up, thanks to my gran, that's pretty amazing. Uh, book two is off to editors and beta reader and just started book three. Now, Catherine Cookson, when I was, I, she's kind of fallen out of fashion a bit, but when I was a bookseller, 
Catherine Crookston was one of those authors. She had an entire shelf. She had a whole shelf to herself. Yeah, my mum used to read them. I always remember Maeve Binchley and Catherine Crookston were on my mum's mum's bedside table every night growing up in our house. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Angela Nurse. Angela Nurse has a weird good news story. She said, I had a rejection where the agent said, I think you're a writer with great potential. I'm sure you've got a brilliant career ahead of you. Not the offer of representation I'd have preferred, but one of my best rejections yet. And that's the thing. Angela's posted that in the group here because she knows everyone here will understand what she means. But if you go and tell, if I was to sort of say to one of my relatives, I got a, I got a rejection, but they said I was really good. They began, yeah, but you got a rejection, you know? And whereas, whereas everyone in the group's going, that's amazing. Well done. Great stuff. (laughs) Exactly. It's a badge of honor in our, in our community, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Mark Hood again, uh, he said good news this week. He said, we got a rescue dog who is adorable. Meet Tara. And he's put up a picture of Tara who is indeed completely adorable. So well done there, Mark. And uh, Jeff, Jeff White, he said, after a bit of a slump in confidence, uh, can I actually write? Is what I'm doing worth the time I'm putting into it? That sort of thing. Uh, the editor and author, Britt Havide, and blogger Hugh Gregg, both asked people on Twitter what were their favourite self-published science fiction fantasy books they read this year. And a few people replied saying it was Jeff's book, The Swordsman Lament, and it gave him the boost he needed. So, you know, it's uh, again, time is that. that. Yeah, well, this yeah. is it, right? It's when yeah. we will always beat ourselves up. And sometimes it takes someone external to remind us that actually what we're doing is valuable. It counts. And I would say if it changes, if your book changes one person's life, it was worth writing all those hours, yeah. one person's life, it was worth writing. And then if it goes beyond that, then wow. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. We also had a lovely note from James Sharp. Uh, on the BXP group said, I want to share a story of sorts. So good news. I finally caught up with the podcast after starting from episode one, roughly two years ago. James, there is therapy available for people who binge the show in this way. Um, firstly, James continues, what a wonderful podcast it is. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but gosh darn, it's worth saying again. The work the two marks put in is really something and the dedication, drive and kindness really shows through. Keep it coming, James. Keep it coming. <laughs> Come on. Oh. James warms my heart. One of the the unexpected ways I found the podcast helping me is by putting myself in the place of the interviewees. Now, I do this. I I, I do this in podcasts all the time. It's like if, yeah, and if you ever listen to, I mean, it's that thing. If you ever listen to Desert Island Discs, you immediately start going, what would I choose? You know, I think that's a sign of a good show. Uh, James continues, I'll often be rambling along in the nearby forest where I live, listening to their bestseller experiment and find myself almost drifting off. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, I'm fully listening to the podcast, but at the same time, find myself integrating my own writing via proxy. I think about how I might answer the questions posted to authors about my work or think about how authors uh, how authors answers and techniques either reflect or challenge my own listening to the podcast has become a really useful way of diving deeper into my own character story and work in general and for that i'm really grateful does anyone else have this experience and he's had a whole bunch of replies from listeners but yeah that's um that's brilliant to hear because that is exactly exactly what i would want people to get from the podcast to make them, you know, feel inspired and think about the way that they write. And, you know, the reason I'm still doing it is because I do every time I interview an author, I have exactly the same vibe. I come away, you know, thinking, great, I've learned something new. I can change something. I can shake things up a bit. Yeah. And we talked about in the webinar last week about how um, craft and any learning that we do is, is a continuous journey. 
all the way through. And, and we, we do this podcast because we're learning every day along with you as well. Every, every time we, we yeah. learn something new, we can never stop learning and never stop growing through that. And I've got some, some wins to share um, from, we've got a great forum on the Academy, which is where we say to people, you share your wins, tell us everything that's happened. Good. Or, or big, small, medium, it doesn't matter. Just share your wins. And, and we want people, we encourage people to like share everything. And so here's a little just taster of some of the kind of headlines of things that people are sharing with us. Um, I hit my word count milestone. Liz Green says she's written more words in the last three months in the Academy than she's written in the last three years. Um, Pippa said she had a triple win. Um, uh, Robin's finished her Christmas short. Um, I posted up that we'd, we'd actually collectively as an academy written a million words. We banked the words because we bank words in the academy as well. And a million words have been banked just in the academy alone since September, which is bonkers. That's a way, way higher ratio to to, to what's happening on the um, on the 200 word a day public challenge. Um, Darren won an award. Um, uh, Sadie actually pitched an article to the New York Times never pitched an article before, went straight to New York Times. Um, Matt published a, a, a short story and was interviewed around it. Um, another another one, Robin hit her word count goals. Uh, Mark Stay's film was acquired by Warner Brothers. That's one of the wins. Mm. The wins there. That was in there. <laughs> um, Mark had a short story accepted. There's just there's so many brilliant things that are happening. Um, and again, uh, we don't, we don't shout enough about the great things that people are doing. And that's what we want to encourage. We're in a community where it's safe to do that. And it's okay to say, yeah. I, I, I did this today and I'm really happy about it. It was a really big win for me. One, and that's, we all celebrate that. One's just cropped up since we started recording. Cause I'm just checking, you know, the BXP group and Georgia Economides. This is 20, this is 20 minutes ago. Georgia Economides capital letters first draft completed. I just finished at a hundred thousand and sixteen words, 2,611 done today in time, in time for starting, starting my new job tomorrow. My hands are wrecked as so I've been working hard to finish before tomorrow, but I'm very happy with the results. I'm looking forward to putting it away for a little bit while I work out how the hell am I going to approach revisions? Also, just want to say thank you to the wonderful Marks for creating uh, the BXP 2020 Challenge. Some days, even 200 words felt like a hell of a lot, but it definitely helped me keep writing through the strange year, as did the podcast itself and the lovely community it has created. Happy writing all. Now, that is weird. Perfect. That, uh, this isn't live, is it? We're not recording this live. No one knows what we're talking about read this. To the end, to the end of the... Uh, she could have said, and those two tossers can buzz off. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast itself and the lovely community it's created. Happy writing big congrats georgia that's just oh fantastic. that's so good Absolutely and nothing like brilliant. a deadline we're so we're so proud of you and and this is just brilliant yes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh and, my and god then, uh, and then we had uh, then we had something from brona mcateer on twitter who, who is at handwritten which is a great twitter handle uh brona says while tidying my desktop I found seven stories that materialized to nothing. Feeling disheartened, I listened to the bestseller experiment, talking to Lucy Vine and Kate Seaman. And that was the archive episode that went out this week. And Lucy, if you remember, wrote a best-selling novel in like three weeks. It's ridiculous. Um, and uh, But Brona says, this motivated me to start something new. Currently, 2,408 words and counting. Wish me luck that I finish this one. Brona, good luck. Got everything crossed for you. Wow. That's brilliant. I'd like to share a win as well, Mark. Go on. Then. All right. This is from Josh Atkinson. And I, I'm, I'm going to, I want to, I want to, Josh, Josh has been with us a long time, but we, we asked people in the Academy to, 
to give us some feedback because we want to know how it's going. We want to know if people are enjoying it, what we can improve and all those things. This is what Josh went, wrote to us. Um, and this is a celebration of, 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 of what people are doing in the Academy. Listen to this. If your dream is to write and you have any self-doubt or apprehension, then join the Bestseller Academy. Word count and writing goals aside, it has given me a feeling of fulfillment in my life because I'm working towards something I'm passionate about and feel is my life's calling. Isn't that just the most beautiful thing? Like, I, I know, I know what we're trying to do here is to inspire and motivate people. But when you get, when you get to word sense you like that, you think this is there's something much deeper happening here. This is this is about changing people's lives. And I just want to thank Josh for sending that in firstly, and just everyone else who's who's stuck with us all these years. I mean, Mark and I, we've had we've had a, a long a long old journey of this through ups and downs of all kinds of stuff. But for me personally, just getting that kind of feedback just warms and melts my heart all in once. And um, for people to actually genuinely kind of tell us how much it's affecting their lives. I think it's great. So I just want to say thank you to everyone out there. Thank you to everyone that sends us feedback. It is our gas in the tank. Um, no question. And, you know, we would love to to support you in your journey. Come join us at the, the BXP team if you can support the podcast. Come join us in the Academy. Come watch the webinar that we recorded last week. Just go to the Academy and watch the webinar replay. Come and join us and make 2021 the best writing year that you've ever had. Because, folks, you know, these, these, I don't know about you, but these years for me, Mark, are whizzing by. I cannot believe, I honestly cannot believe we are talking a couple of weeks before the end of the year. Some, something, something happens in your 40s. Uh, time really leans on the accelerator. <laughs> you know, it's rum. So, yeah, make, uh, make the most of it, folks. Um, but yes, make, enough, make it count. Enough patting ourselves on the back. Uh, I've got a prep for, uh, an academy coaching session uh so i need to i need to get away and do that but listen thank you for listening folks we hope you found that helpful you are not alone uh drop us a line if you know if you're not a member of the bxp team or anything else you know we we read every email do drop us a line uh come and find us uh we're at uh bestseller experiment on facebook twitter is at bestseller xp instagram at Instagram, Instagram at bestseller XP. If you go to the website bestsellerexperiment.com, there's a contact form there. That's how you can email us as well. Uh, get in touch. We're here to, uh, we're a shoulder to cry on. We're, you know, we'll, we'll pop a cork for you. Uh, whatever it is, uh, drop us a line and we'll, we'll be there for you. Right? And there's a little teaser, folks. Join us in two weeks for our Christmas special where we'll be interviewing none other than the co creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. That's the book series that has sold half a billion books. Brilliant. Well, listen, it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark, for this incredible podcast today. And I'd like just to say, as we always do, it's a goodbye from Mark 1. And a goodbye from Mark 2. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.